Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we are talking about the world champion Denver Nuggets. So they top the heat, they beat them 4-1, they make it through their entire playoff run very convincingly. Jokic, the two-time MVP, finally, I don't know, crests the mountain of getting your props from the general public. It's a very, very difficult thing to do. Winning a championship, very effective way to do it. But today I wanted to talk about the Nuggets, talk about their success, talk about why the construction of the team makes a lot of sense. And basically, once something happens in the NBA, a season ends, a championship happens, the result happens, right? A team gets knocked out in the first round. I don't know what it is about our brain. I actually think I listened to like a Malcolm Gladwell podcast about this where it's much easier to trace things backwards to like figure out why things did and didn't work. And I feel like a fair amount of the time on this podcast, we I mean, I think that is true. But a lot of times people try to assign things, especially when things fail. They try to like make these hard and fast rules where it's like, oh, this can't work. This will never work. And it's like, well, hold on a second. So let's go all the way back to 2020. That was the beginning of this team's sort of ascension to a championship. I know it starts before that with the draft and all that, but we're just going to kind of give you like the condensed fast forward version. So in 2020, that was the first time we saw the playoff version of Jamal Murray. There was that super crazy first round series. It was the Jazz versus the Nuggets, and it was uh, a young Donovan Mitchell and a young Jamal Murray just going back and forth, ballistic scoring games. That whole series was nuts. Eventually, they make it to the Western Conference Finals. They play the to be champion Lakers and at that point like that was like 35 year old LeBron James he was still probably the best player in the league if not the best player probably like in the top three I know Giannis won the MVP that year but whatever (laughs) LeBron was still pretty nuts had an MVP caliber season Uh, facing in a playoff series I think most people would probably take LeBron over Giannis in that 2020 year but that's not the point of this but they they played them pretty good. Also, Anthony Davis, like that was prime Anthony Davis. That was probably the last year of super athletic AD. He's still a really good player. Obviously, he had a crazy playoff run this year, but that was when the offense was more dynamic back in 2020. He had quite a few injuries the last few years, and he's just older. I think he's like 30, but that was a really tough team. They played them well, but that that Lakers team was very good. Obviously, they go on to win the championship. So the year after that, they trade for Aaron Gordon because prior to that, it was like, okay, they have a young core. Jokic looks like a pretty good player. Michael Porter Jr. is a very, very interesting player. Jamal Murray, you know, he's a really exciting dynamic scorer where it was like, okay, this core of three players is good. And I talk about this all the time. How good are your three building block players? And at the time, they looked pretty good. Jokic hadn't won an MVP yet. Jamal Murray had a crazy playoff performance and Michael Porter Jr. was kind of the hot, young, new thing where it was like, wow, this guy's really tall and really good at shooting threes. This was, I think this was one back surgery into his NBA career. He's had two now. I think he probably moved a little bit better. Uh, but, you know, me always talking about back surgeries. He moved a little bit better before the second back surgery. He's still a pretty good player, but that was like, okay, these are the three building blocks. Like, are they going to get good enough to win a championship and a lot of the times people 
will throw a core together where it's like the Wizards, where it's like Bradley Beal, Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma, the like Washington Wizards, big three. And it's like, uh, I don't know if we can be throwing around big three like that. Uh, but with this team, it was like these players are young enough and they are dynamic enough to where in 2020 they weren't good enough. But it was like, let's see what these guys, you know, ha- as they progress, as they get better. And I know we think of progress as a linear thing, right? Like it's steps upstairs, right? You get a little bit better like every six months or whatever it is. That's not really how it works. There's just like, you know, I talk about this all the time. There's thresholds. And once you pass thresholds, you then see like these very, very large jumps. It's kind of like if you were to practice dribbling every day, like I guess you are like ideally getting a little bit better every day. But if you're someone that is not a ball handler, it doesn't really matter that you got 3% better at dribbling. But once you hit that next threshold where all of a sudden like you are able to be a primary or secondary ball handler in a game, like then that's where the jump comes. So obviously Jokic had a huge jump at 21. That's where he won his first MVP. Uh, Jamal Murray was looking you know, like Jamal Murray, very exciting player. Then they make the trade for Aaron Gordon. And it was like, oh, okay, this team, I, I wasn't sure if the the – the three core players were ready yet or if they were going to be good enough because it's one of those things you just don't know until you know. You don't know until you win the championship. You can think it. You can have a feeling about it, but you you just don't know. Nobody knows. That's why everyone's always arguing all the time. Uh, but getting Aaron Gordon, it was like, oh, this helps that core because Aaron Gordon at that point in time was unproven, but he was a really interesting player, really good athlete. You know, we'd see him in the dunk contest. We had seen him put up pretty good numbers in Orlando, but that team wasn't very good. And it was like, okay, he's coming to a much better team that always helps players. And it seems like he would have the skill set that they needed, where it was like Jokic is, I've talked about it a million times. I won't get into it. Won't go on a rant. He, at that point, was not a great defender. And now he is clearly an above average defensive center like obviously but still not amazing and he's not a great rim protector so they get aaron gordon you know the the nba has changed it's smaller now now you pretty much play two small forwards all the time that's how most teams operate now and then you play your one center still and aaron gordon was a very versatile because he's kind of like a 3.5 where it's like well like he could kind of play the three but he can also he's kind of perfect for this new nba four and it was really really exciting where you know you saw early when he you know moved over to the nuggets like him cutting and Jokic, and it was like oh that guy's much too large to stop on a cut if like you're a half step late and it was like okay all of a sudden i thought this team they were my favorite to win the championship where I was like, I know they're still kind of young, but 21 where I was like, okay, I, I really do think they can do this. And then the Jamal Murray injury happens and it just, it really sucked. Cause it was at the end of the year. So it was like, he misses the whole playoffs. and He's going to miss a bunch of next year. And that's just like hard for a player to like find your rhythm, get everything going. Like not only did it torpedo that season, the 21 season, but it was going to mess up the 22 season. We didn't know it at the time, but he didn't play in the 2022 season or the playoffs as well because of when the injury happened. It really couldn't have happened at a worse time. And then Michael Porter Jr. has to get another back surgery. And then the 2022 season was really rough for the Nuggets. Jokic wins another MVP, ascends to a pretty unstoppable level. 
the efficiency goes up, like the playmaking becomes really jaw dropping, just really difficult to handle. It's basically him and Aaron Gordon and a bunch of players that are like fringe NBA guys. And no, yeah, I'm not trying to throw shade at anybody else on the team. They just weren't a very good team. Like that they made the playoffs and like was pretty crazy. That roster was very bad. They were doing weird things. Like Aaron Gordon was playing like point of attack defense at like six eight because they they just didn't have anybody else. It was like, oh, this probably is the best strategy. Probably put him there, have Jokic be around the basket and try to outscore teams. So 2022 was really difficult. And I think, you know, having Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. out was really difficult. It was really difficult for the offense, but just the entire team. And I think it it's hard when a team sort of fades into the background of, oh, I, well, I know they can't do anything this year. and. I think it messes with our idea of what a team will be because in 21, when they made the move for Aaron Gordon, I was like, Oh, okay. They're locked into this for a few years. They've locked in like basically all their money. And this is a pretty intriguing group. And Aaron Gordon sort of fills that, that defensive hole. They need it because Michael Porter Jr. Not a great defender. Jamal Murray, not a great defender. Jokic at that time, also not a great defender where it was like, okay, like there's some issues with the roster construction here where like they need some people that can play defense because offense is great. And like offense is more important, but like you, you, you can't be like the 28th best defense in the league. It's not going to work. And they get Aaron Gordon. Everything looks good. The 2022 season happens. That's really difficult. Then, on top of that, they play the team that's going to win the championship in the first round because obviously they were a low seed. And they got to play Golden State, who that Golden State team was pretty locked in. They were very good, obviously led by Steph Curry. And it was basically two on five when they were playing, where it was like, all right, they got Jokic and Gordon, and that's about it. And they're playing against the best team in the league. And it didn't look great. Jokic's numbers weren't bad in the series, but he didn't look like a player that was dominating the game because he couldn't because his team wasn't good enough. And then I feel like that really hurt his reputation. I feel like it really hurt the the MVP awards where it was like, oh, is this guy, you know, you hear all the, the dumb stuff where like, oh, is this guy a fraud? Does this guy really deserve it? Is he actually any good? And it's like, yeah, <laughs> he is. <laughs> like he's still pretty good in this series and like he's got some G Leaguers on his team. So I think that set up the Nuggets to be underrated this season because no matter how well they played in the regular season, it just didn't seem to matter. People weren't hopping on the bandwagon. And the whole year I was like, all right, hear me out, guys. The Bucks look pretty good, but I'm a little worried about their ability to score as a team. Chris Middleton missed so much time, and like that really did hurt their offense. And I was like, okay, I'm not in love with that. The Sixers, I'm not, I just not in love with Embiid or James Harden, but I was like, this team's pretty good. The Celtics, it was kind of the same thing. I was like, this team's really deep, but the high end – kind of scoring, playmaking, ability to control the game. I'm not seeing it. Like as good as Jason Tatum is, I go back and forth all the time where it's like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can't control a game at all. And like the real greats can. Whether we're talking about the great greats like Jordan, Kobe, LeBron type of control or like their secondary levels of it. Like Dirk was able to control games, slowing it down, getting it at the elbow, over and over again, grinding teams down, making tough shots. Like there are, there's levels to it, right? Obviously, not every player can be the top three greatest players of all time or wherever you rank everyone, whatever it is. But 
the really high-end players, the ability to control the game on offense, defense, or both is definitely a thing. And with the Celtics, I just didn't see that. Like, are, are is Brown a pretty good player? Yes. Is Jason Tatum a very good player? Yes. But that's why isolation scoring is so important. Playmaking also important as well, but just the ability for you to dominate the game is very important. And I didn't see that a ton out of the Celtics. So I I, I respect that the Celtics were a very good team. They had a lot of very good players. They filled in the holes the best they could. I've talked about this on the podcast a lot. Guys like Derek White, really, really good pickups. But the high-end talent really does matter. It matters more than anything else. And in Jokic, it was like, I'm seeing quite a bit of control here. Like I am seeing the ability to you don't really need to do anything. He gets the ball at the elbow. He just bludgeons the person he's guarding with his shoulder over and over and over again. But he does a good job of not just running people over. And then out of that, he can repeatedly over and over again, make the right pass or attack the basket and score at a really high percentage because he doesn't need to get all the way to the rim. His mid-range game is so strong. His floater so strong. It was like, okay, this is pretty impressive. So stacking him up against the other teams in the league, were there still concerns about Denver's defense generally? Yes, but that brings me to my next point. In the offseason, heading into the 2022-23 season that just happened, they made two excellent moves. They trade for KCP, who is a really good 3 and D player, and they also, they add Bruce Brown, who was a little confusing on the Nets because it was like, this guy just play every position. He could play a lot bigger. Like, But then you watch him play and you're like, oh, this guy can like, he's not a bad offensive player. He's a pretty good defender. And it was like, okay, this they added like two two-way players that both defend pretty well because this team isn't going to be a funnel everything to the basket and shut it down team, right? Because Jokic just isn't that player. But all of a sudden, it's like, okay, you have Aaron Gordon, who's a good defender. You have KCP, who's a good defender. You have Bruce Brown, who's a pretty good defender. And all of a sudden, the role players starting to fill out the team are all kind of pluses, neutral plus, whatever you want to call it in any given season. Whereas, okay, this roster construction is making sense. They have super, super high-end talent in Jokic. And the big question was, can Jamal Murray replicate that crazy 2020 playoffs? Because everything's starting to fall in the line, right? Where it's like, okay, what are the core players? Like, is there a number one? Great. Yes. Like, can Jamal Murray be a number two? I'm not sure. And then is Michael Porter Jr. good enough to be a three? And it's like, I don't really know. But then they got Aaron Gordon and it was like, oh, I guess probably Aaron Gordon's probably a better player. But depending on the series or whatever it is, like the two, three, four of that team is really strong. However, you want to stack them up. And then in the playoffs, I mean, pretty much everything clicked in. Everything went right. Everybody stayed healthy. Everyone was playing at a pretty high level. And you saw Jokic be able to dominate and control games where it was like, well, this is checking all the boxes that I think a playoff team needs. The Suns were a little bit scary in the second round because it was like no one knew how good the Suns team was. But it was like, okay, they have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, which is pretty crazy. But Kevin Durant literally hasn't played with anyone on this team heading into the playoffs. I think he had played like seven games where it was like people don't even, if you look away from your teammate, you might not know where he's standing because you haven't played any basketball. 
help them. And then, I don't know, things really fell apart <laughs> where it was like Chris Paul got hurt in the playoffs again. And then DeAndre Ayton, I think, got hurt too. And it was basically like Devin Booker trying to keep him in the series. But eventually, you know, the Nuggets beat them. They move on to the Lakers. Lakers were a good team. There's been a lot of this like poo-pooing where it's like, oh, the Nuggets didn't play anybody. And it's like, well, obviously the first round team they played wasn't that good because they were the number one seed. That that's you never play a good team pretty much. If you're the number one seed, I'm sure you could you could go into the the history of the NBA and find an, an example, but you know what I mean. And then the second round, the Suns team was like, how it was a very dysfunctional team, but they had Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. So that's something. And then like Devin Booker didn't miss for like two games where it was like, okay, that Suns team was like solid because of the high end talent. Probably not great and not optimized, but not bad. And then that Lakers team was pretty good. Like if LeBron's foot was healthy, I don't know. I'm not saying they would have beat the Nuggets, but like, that team was pretty good. Anthony Davis was playing at a all-time level, like an all-time level, better than an all-star. That was like better than an all-NBA player. That was all-time Hall of Fame stuff in this run. And he was not as effective in the Nuggets series because the Nuggets are so difficult to defend. Still played pretty well. I think he had like a 40-point game in game one. But that Nuggets team made him less effective than he was in earlier rounds. That was impressive. And then on top of that, like that Lakers team just like it was pretty good. Like they they beat <laughs> Golden State beat the Kings and the Kings looked like a pretty good team and Golden State looked like a pretty good team. And then the Lakers beat Golden State where it was like, okay, that team wasn't like that team had Steph Curry. And then the Lakers looked like they were pretty deep. They had options. Obviously they didn't win, but that series was closer than than the uh you know, final wins and losses of the series. So it was like uh, this whole, like they didn't beat anybody thing. I was like, yeah, Suns were pretty solid. Lakers were pretty good. And then this heat team where it was like, no one understands it. Hopefully in, you know, hundreds of years, we'll have the technology to understand why this heat team was so good, but they beat all the other teams in the East to get here. So like, that's got to count for something. So uh, yeah, just kind of recapping the Nuggets journey to this championship in a very, very fast forward version of it. And then talking, I don't know, dispelling the myth of like, they. Didn't, I, I feel like that's the new thing where it's like, <laughs> I saw some tweet where it was like every NBA championship is fraudulent where it's like, apparently no one's played anybody in the history of like the recent NBA where it's like, hold on, no one's played anyone in the last five years. It just, just doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to talk about the nuggets say congratulations to them they played well uh pat myself on the back for thinking this team was really good because you know if you got a podcast why, why wouldn't you do that but uh yeah Jokic, the, the numbers are crazy i was kind of digging into the numbers trying to find some data here at basketball index to kind of cap this off but it's one of those things Jokic. i had a tweet the other day where it was like his percentile rank in in three-point shooting and mid-range in finishing just kind of like all the different points of the game playmaking where he was like 95th percentile or higher in everything where it was like he's dominating the game maybe not three point that, that probably was a little bit lower but the mid-range unreal the finishing around the basket unreal the playmaking pretty much the best in the league where he's a weird guy. We're starting to talk about like, where does he fit in history? It's all, it's very hard to do this. It's very hard to do this when a player is still playing because how the second half of their career shapes out is very important. Jokic is in his twenties. I don't really like talking about 
uh, historical things when a player is still in their 20s because it's like they still have a lot more to play and that's going to really change where you place them. Also, I'm third. I turned 31 tomorrow. I'm 30 now. I didn't really see anything in the NBA. Like I have faint memories of Shaq on the Lakers and it didn't really start coming together until like the mid 2000s. So everything before that, it, like I didn't see it. I don't know. I'm not here to talk historical stuff. I look at data. I look at box score stuff. I look at numbers and I can like roughly ballpark guys. But the difference between the 17th and the 22nd and the 28th best player ever. Well, one, I'm not really going to give you a lot of answers there. (laughs) I don't know where he stands historically. He's got to be in. I mean, I would I would say he's comfortably in the top 30 right now, just from the pedigree where it's like he has two MVPs. He has a championship. He has a finals MVP. Oh, I saw a really interesting thing where it was a graphic and they were stacking up MVPs, but also finals MVPs. And I thought that was kind of interesting where I was like, should a finals MVP actually be more important than a regular season MVP? And then naturally I got a comment that was like Andre Iguodala. And that was my first thought where I was like, yeah, that one doesn't really make sense. That one should go to Steph. But other than that, I actually looked historically at all of the finals MVPs and they all pretty much make sense. Other than that one weird Andre Iguodala one. It's kind of like you got to give it a pass, though. It's like when Derrick Rose won MVP. It was like, was he the best player in the league? No. Was he the coolest player in the league? Probably. So it's it's fine. Whatever. People got excited about it. They got excited about Andre Iguodala. Whatever. But I, I like that idea of finals MVPs counting uh, similar to a regular season MVP. I don't know if you'd weight them the same or more or whatever it is. I actually think that's a pretty interesting conversation. Maybe we'll have it this off season. But when you have two normal MVPs, a finals MVP and a ring, and you were the driving force on that team that didn't have another all-star. <laughs> like did Jamal Murray play like an all-star? Yes. Did he play like an all NBA player in this run? Yes. Do I know where to rank him in the league? No. So I guess we're going to transition. This is me like everything I've seen in the last week. I'm just throwing it all up in this podcast. A very unorganized thinking of it in real time. So it's not the cleanest of the episodes that I've recorded. But to finish up the Jokic thing, where's the all time? I don't know. He's somewhere in the top 30. But like I've seen a lot of lists where Chris Paul is in the low 20s. And I'm like, well, he's definitely better than Chris Paul. So he's ahead of that. So maybe he's in the teens. I don't know. But even if I had a definitive answer, even if I was 100% sure, I think about this all the time where I'm like, if I had a way to prove this without a shadow of a doubt, if I had, you know, I go into the hyperbolic time chamber, I watch every single NBA game that's ever happened. I analyze all the data. I have someone go back and hand track everything we don't have from the past, deflections, on-off data, all of that stuff. And I'm like, I, I come up with a perfect all-in-one stat, right? And I somehow also get a time machine and get the cameras that we use now to track everything, yada, yada, yada. It doesn't actually matter because I don't think I've changed two people's minds in my life about sports. I remember them vividly. One was in college. I was at a, uh, we had a radio station at our college. It was very cool. And I remember I was talking to my co-host and I changed his mind in the middle of a show. And I, I remember the look on his face. He like blinked with both eyes, right? Like really big. And then he was just like, oh, okay. I've changed my mind. And then I can't remember what the other time was. But that one sticks out really vividly in my mind. So even if I had the answers, I don't think I'd change anybody's minds on the historic fights. Now, moving on to Jamal Murray. 
where do we rank Jamal Murray? So I think in my top 75 in the middle of the season that I released, I had him somewhere in the late 40s. I might had him like 47 or 48, if I remember correctly. And in the the blurb, it was like, you know, dynamic score can, you know, really good from the three point line, like pretty good from the mid range can self create, but not super efficient, like league average efficiency. The playmaking is okay. It doesn't lead to like really great quality, but it's, it's, it's fine. He's kind of like Tyler hero, but better where like they can't really go to the rim. Cause like they're not big enough, but they're pretty good scores can self create, but he's definitely like a league better. But at the end, I was like, eh, but he just drops 40-point playoff games, and it makes you forget about all the flaws he has. And there's the Jamal Murray experience where he would go you know, ballistic, and then he'd disappear for games. But then on this run, it was like, okay, it was like ballistic game, okay game. Then it was like three ballistic games and one like not bad game. And then it was like, okay, wait, he's just kind of playing good. It seems like in almost all of these games, like the Jamal Murray experience, the thing I coined isn't really happening. He's mostly just playing good. So now it's like, well, he did play like an all NBA player in this finals run and was the second best player on a championship team clearly and just went nuclear in multiple games where there was nothing, nothing anyone can do. Like he, he also had like a triple double, I think, or I think so. I don't know. I didn't look it up. He had a, he was creating lots for teammates as well as scoring. Also, he just killed the Lakers. He just straight up killed the Lakers in the middle of that series where he had a super crazy hot fourth quarter. And then the next game he scored like 30 in the first half and missed like one shot. And it was like, well, wrap it up guys. <laughs> it's over. It was like game three. And it was like, well, series is done. Cause you just can't deal with that. Like when the second best player on a team is playing that well, you just, you just pack it up and head home. So I was thinking about it and my idea. I was like, so is he in the thirties? I was like, that seems too low though, because of what he just did. Because if you just look at his regular season numbers, I think I had him place pretty good. He was like in the forties and I was like in the middle of his playoff run. I'm trying to think about it right now. Like I'm like, okay, so like now he's like near Jalen Brunson, maybe. Like that that makes sense to me. That that seems okay. But then this finals run happens, and it's like, well, he's got to be like a top thirty player now, right? Like he just has to be. This happened. I don't know what to. I don't know what to tell people. Where it's like. 2020 happened, and that was like, ah, well, that was weird. I don't know if it was just because they were playing the Jazz. I, like, it, am I buying into the Rudy Gobert can't play in the playoffs? Like, I don't know. And then it was like, okay, well, he got hurt for two playoffs in a row, so we didn't get to see that. And then there's this just absolutely ballistic run, and it's like, well, <laughs> uh, I, I guess he has to be he has to be in the top 30, right? So I'm like, is he the 25th best player in the league? And I'm like, is he in the top 20? Is Jamal Murray like the 17th best player in the league? Because it's almost like I don't really care. It's Jimmy Butler, right? Jimmy Butler is like this, where in the regular season, Jimmy Butler is not a top 10 player. He's just not. He's not filling up the box score enough. Like Jason Tatum it's like you swap them in the regular season. Jason Tatum is more valuable because his ability to just like put more stuff in the box score is more effective and more valuable in the regular season. But then come playoff time, Jimmy Butler 
eats his spinach and his forearms get all big and he becomes uh, this, you know, otherworldly player. I know he slowed down in the second half of this playoff run, but the first round was nuclear. The next two rounds were very good and the finals was not. The finals was not very good, but cumulative. You have to count it all. It was very impressive. And he got this heat team to the finals, which doesn't make any sense. Still doesn't make any sense. So the idea is like, okay, Tatum top 10 player in the regular season. I don't know in the postseason. And then it's not like he's not, he's not like he's God awful or anything, but you know, there's a difference. And then Jimmy Butler in the regular season, he's somewhere in the teens, but in the postseason, it's like, okay, well, he's got a cape on. So that's this, this matters. So I'd swap them. Right. And I with Jamal Murray. It's the same thing, but like, is he the 18th best player in the league? Like that's in the range for anyone that doesn't uh, think about this just like 24 hours a day. That's the James Harden place. That's the place where a SGA would be, where he's he looks really, really good this year. You know, we haven't really seen him in the playoffs, but I'm not super worried about him. That's where a player like Zion would be for me, where it's like these are these are pretty interesting guys. So I, I think I'm talking myself into this right now because you know, it's like, we'll always have Paris. We'll always have this playoff run. This happened. He won a championship. The most important thing. <laughs> it reminds me of when they have Jimmy Butler. If like, he makes the Hall of Fame, if he's going to go to the thing. And he's like, nah, not about that. And it's like, it's like this is like the greatest honor they can give a player. Because you can't give someone a ring. But it's just like, you were so good at this sport. You worked so hard. You were so talented. We just want to like honor you because you're really great. And he's like, nah. And I was like, uh, I mean, you can do whatever you want. That's a weird answer. I don't know. You're not wrong, but it's just like it's it's okay. It doesn't have to be about the team after you're reti- like when you're 50 and you're retired. It's okay to have something that's just about you. Like, I think that's that thing that's okay. I think that's nice. But uh whatever. I got sidetracked by that. I just thought that was a weird, that was really weird. Um but uh, Jamal Murray, I guess he's the top 20 player now. I, I get, well, hold on. So I, I did a top uh, 75 players in the league, but I don't really like, I had tears in it, but I don't like the idea of, it's the same thing when you rate movies, right? If you try to look at like your top 50 favorite movies, if you just line them up one through 50, like something doesn't feel right, even with the tears where you're like, well, hold on a second. Like movie 17 and movie 26, I've, I'm like, I don't actually know which one I like more. And then between movie 30 and movie 45, like I, I think there's a really wide gap. I know there's a tier here, but like there needs to be more than one tier. I think, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know, but I'm looking at it now. And basically what I did is I have a plus a, a minus players and then B plus B, B minus. So basically the current NBA building blocks is how I think of it. There's six groups. And then after that, I think there's a lot of players that are C players that are good players. They're they're effective role players. They can be really useful. They can even have really high scoring games, but they are not, in my mind, one of like your core three building blocks that you're like, I'm not trying to trade any of these guys. I'm trying to add to these three. And I'm trying to see where I have Jamal Murray. So I have Jamal Murray as a 
well, it's what I'm not going to tell you the tier. You can't see it. it doesn't matter. But I have him at 19, I guess, in this. Oh, I guess I did my, <laughs> I did this late last night. Okay. It was very late when I did it. But I have Jamal Murray at 19. He's right around James Harden, SGA, De'Aaron Fox, Trey Young, that sort of zone. It feels weird because his regular season stats, frankly, are not that good. But if I were to only look at regular season stats, I'm missing something, right? Like there's a reason we we play the games. There's a reason we don't just like calculate and weight the box score and be like, well, this is just the results. This is hard and fast. What is going on? So Jamal Murray, top 20 player. Whoo, wow, wow. If you got in a time machine, you told me like two years ago, Jamal Murray's a top 20 player. I'd be like, really? What happened? What happened to the rest of the league? Are they playing with different rules? Is it slam ball? Jamal Murray seems like he'd be very good at slam ball. Of the NBA players that would be really good at slam ball, I'm saying Jamal Murray would be excellent at it. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. would be very, very good at slam ball. I think LaMelo would be really good at slam ball, but not for the reasons you think. He'd still be like doing really fancy pass. He would be like revolutionizing trampoline passing. I think he'd be very good at that. Mikael Bridges, I think he'd be another good slam ball player. I think it'd be interesting if we could get all the NBA players to play slam ball. I don't know if they've worked out the kinks. I know they're bringing it back. It was like literally the most dangerous sub game I've ever seen of a larger game. Where It was like, are you trying to make dudes legs explode? There's a lot of soft spots and a lot of hard spots on the court. I don't know if they've they've worked on that tech in the last 20 years. Hopefully they did. But yeah, the takeaways here. The Nuggets are very good. This is a congratulation podcast. I don't know. There's not enough of that, especially in the NBA. Not enough of it in the world. Just like, hey, you did a great job. Let's highlight the great jobs you did, but in an earnest, real way, right? There's, you know, I don't know if you've been around a lot of little kids, but you ever been around those parents that aren't really paying attention to their kids? And then when their kid does something that doesn't really matter, they like like heap praise on them. They're like, oh, like really great job bringing your glove out to the field. Great job. Keep bringing that glove out to left field. And like the kid even knows like he doesn't say it because, you know, the kid's like six. But there's just like a look on their face where they're like, oh, I don't I don't. This doesn't matter. Like, what are you what are you doing? <laughs> just, I don't know. But when. Uh, you know, a kid, whatever, fields a ball, throws it to first base on the fly. You're like, hey, that was a really good, like, I know you've worked on that. I saw you in practice. That was a great throw. It was a long throw, like, really accurate, like, really good job. Like, I know it's something you've, like, you've been working on. Congratulations. And then you see the kid respond to that, and it's like, oh, this is way different. I was a nanny for two years, so I know <laughs> I'm pretty good. I got pretty good at reading these things. Uh, yeah, I know. I went from special needs nanny for two years to MBA analyst at analytics company. <laughs> the, the natural progression. Uh, there was other things in there, but that that's that's the shorthand of how I give it to people. That's the elevator pitch. Where I was like, yeah, no, I was a special needs nanny, and now I do basketball data uh, that we like share with front offices and agents. It's the natural. That's the when people when people DM me, they're like, hey, how do I get into analytics? Are they DM, I run the basketball index twitter how do i get into this i'm like go be a special needs nanny for two years you're gonna learn a lot about life <laughs> it'll help you trust me uh but yeah that's the congratulations the genuine the heartfelt the real congratulations to the nuggets they did a really great job good roster construction you know good drafting you know staying with it where it's like i guess you could people are always like i'll oh, blow up the team and it's like but two of their three best players were hurt why would you blow up the team and it's like 
because I live year to year. You know, those people living paycheck to paycheck, like in their mind where they're like, not not the people that are like struggling financially. I'm talking about the people that like have it, like they're making like 65K, but they never save any money. And it's like, well, what are you doing? And it's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> but let's blow it up though. <laughs> All right. This is getting off the rails. I'm going to wrap it up. Congratulations to the Denver Nuggets on a great season and great uh, building of a franchise slash potential dynasty. That's another thing. I just had a tweet. It's going to go out tomorrow. This team is not old. There's only two players in their 30s that played on this team. One of them is Jeff Green, who is replaceable and extremely old. And then KCP is like 32 or something where it's like everybody else is in their 20s. Like they can run this back next year, like very realistically. They might lose Bruce Brown in free agency. But other than that, the, the course together, like the, that's the, they they're fine. They're 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 going to be good for the next two years. Like their window is legitly open for the next couple of years. And as long as Jokic is playing at this extremely high level and Jamal Murray's a top 20 player, like possibility for like one, two, there could be a three peat here. Are we going to have another three peat? Oh, is that how we're going to end the episode? Possible three peat, you know, mid first year in. But all right, that's all I got. Uh, at Taylor Metrics on Twitter, if you want to, if you want to ask me how to get into NBA analytics, I'm going to be like, "Hey, go be a special needs nanny for two years," and yeah, we'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast. <laughs>